I'm joined now by Matt Mayoko. Matt has been covering the 49ers since 1995, and he knows this team as well as just about anybody. Matt, thanks so much for joining us. You also co-wrote a book with Roger Craig called Tales from the Sideline. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah. So Roger and I worked very closely on that book and, you know, he shared a lot of his thoughts about uh, not only himself, you know, his role in, in the Fortinaires dynasty um, in, from the eighties, you know, forward. And also uh, Bill Walsh was still around. And so he was the, mm-hmm. the person who was kind enough to write the forward for the book. So uh, it, it was, it was a very you know deep dive into, into Roger and, and what made him as successful of an NFL player and as successful as a person can be in his post football career as Roger Craig is and has been. Yeah, and he definitely was, especially during his playing career. What a transformational player. Now, before we get into that, I wonder if you would explain to us the where he's at as far as the Hall of So he's not part of the modern era candidacy. He's now in the senior uh, division. Can you explain what that means and how that impacts his chances moving forward? Yes, absolutely. So it, with the Pro Football Hall of Fame, only five modern era candidates can be selected. A maximum of five can be selected every year. And so there is a tremendous backlog of deser- deserving senior candidates. And I mean, that's that's something that we talk about on the selection committee all the time. Mm-hmm. So as of, and I forget exactly the year, but let's just say five years ago, Roger Craig went from being a modern era finalist or a modern era candidate. And then after 25 years, he, be, he drops into the seniors pool. And so the, there was a very significant change made in the process now by which senior candidates are elected in the sense that previously, It was a maximum of one senior candidate per year could go into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But the new president of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Jim Porter, he polled the the voters and we had some long discussions and everybody came to the consensus that there's just no way we can do this justice. There's just so many deserving senior candidates that fall into, you know, the term is the abyss of the seniors pool. So a very significant thing happened, I think, toward Roger Craig's candidacy and the prospects of him eventually getting to the Hall of Fame is that now that there are three seniors candidates in the Hall of Fame or can go into the Hall of Fame every year. And so the three seniors candidates for the class of 2023 are Joe Klecko, Chuck Howley and Ken Riley, all deserving candidates. No question about it. But where a little bit of my disappointment comes is that in this committee, there was a blue ribbon panel committee that was formed for the uh, one uh, was it the 50th anniversary. Um, I'm sorry, the 100th anniversary of the NFL. Right. So they decided to put in a, a, a larger class that kind of mirrored the very first class of the Hall of Fame. And so in that committee that this wasn't anybody on our um on the pro football hall of fame committee um the regular committee it was a blue ribbon panel and they came up with 20 candidates for the seniors to go in 
but it was 20 candidates for 10 spots. And so 10 went in immediately. Roger was one of those, those 20 candidates. Mm-hmm. He was not one of the 10 elected, which I took as, okay, not the perfect scenario, but at least now we know, theoretically speaking, that he's going to be one of the next 10 seniors to go in. However, since then, there was one one who went in the next year, and that was uh, Drew Pearson, and another one who went in the next, the following year, Cliff Branch. But then of the three seniors that I just mentioned, Klecko, Howley, and Riley, none of them were on that initial 20-person senior nominee list of the Blue Ribbon panel. So that kind of leaves me a, a little bit disappointed, mm-hmm. if not if not a lot disappointed, that we didn't just pick through that list of all the remaining you know, finalists for the seniors blue ribbon committee that didn't get into the hall of fame. So again, it, it's such a difficult thing, Mark, because all these seniors who go in, they're deserving. There's yeah. no question about it. And that's just the, the same way I feel about Roger Craig is he's deserving. No doubt about it. And I have always felt, and I, I don't, you know, I mean, maybe my optimism is 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 tempered a little bit here, but I still think it, it's a matter of not if, but when. But I think we can all agree, you know, uh, everyone who's been around the 49ers and who watched Roger Craig play, uh, it sure would be nice to get him in a lot sooner than later. Yeah, he, he definitely deserves it. Now, you mentioned Drew Pearson, and I, I don't want to pick on him, but there have been some some players that have been inducted into the hall of fame who campaigned a little bit or made some noise or what have you. Roger Craig is not one to ever do anything like that. Would you're a hall of fame voter. Would that have any influence on you whatsoever? I mean, frankly, it would probably turn me off if anything. I mean, I would certainly, I mean, we're all human. I mean, I would try to not make it influence me whatsoever. Um, I think a, a person's credentials speak for themselves. You don't need the person patting himself on the back to let you know how good he is. I think, um, you know, we all have an idea. We all know what we value from a football player. We also all talk to people who were on the scene back in those days. Um, you know, as a voter for me, I mean, quite frankly, when it gets to me, because I'm not on the seniors committee, basically the seniors committee nominates the finalists and then my vote is just up or down. Mm-hmm. And so I'm never, I mean, unless something extraordinary happened, I, I would never envision myself ever voting that down on a seniors candidate because it's not like that opens a spot for somebody else. You know, by that point, when the seniors committee forwards in this year's case, the name of three seniors finalists by voting down on either Klecko, Howley or Riley does no good for Roger Craig. Mm -hmm. In fact, it it hurts him Mm -hmm. because that just means there's one more candidate still out there among the seniors. So um, I, I mean, I, I appreciate and I respect Roger's, professionalism and just the class with which he's handled this. Um, you know, he, he's got to be extremely disappointed as are you know many of his teammates and, and people who know him and, and certainly the fan base of the 40 yards who followed his career and know just how you know transformative 
he was as a player. Yeah. Do you have any, re- any, in your opinion, because um, there's just no way to know this, do you have any idea why it's taken so long? This this is a player who changed football. I mean, what we see with Christian McCaffrey right now, and we saw with Marshall Falk, and we've seen with other players like that, Ladanian Tomlinson, these kinds of players, it started with Roger Craig, it started with Marcus Allen, those kinds of guys. Walter Payton was a little bit of that, but none quite like Roger Craig back in that time. So why why would a player that changed the NFL so drastically uh, not uh, not be in after all of these years? I blame pro football reference. <laughs> now I, and and I, I, I say that facetiously, but also I think there might be something to this. You know, pro football reference is just a phenomenal tool for anybody as far as uh, being able to look up stats very quickly. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, honestly, on a, on a single day when I'm working and I'm, you know, whether it's free agency or during the season, I might be on pro football reference, looking up a certain player. Uh, you know, I might be on that, on that site 50 times in the course of the day. <laughs> I'm on and there so, every week too. <laughs> yeah. And, and so with Roger Craig, you know, you click on Roger Craig's profile and, and what do you see? You see four Pro Bowls, you see three Super Bowl champs. But then when you scroll down to the bottom, you, you see, you know, the rankings. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he is he's 46th in NFL history in rushing. He's 114th in receptions. And I believe he's sixth among running backs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's 47th in yards from scrimmage. And so I think if you don't scratch, if you just scratch the surface, those are the numbers you see. And therefore you could easily go, well, that's not all that impressive. But I think what you're alluding to, Mark, are, are the other things, you know, it, it's how he changed the game. And, and by the way, you know, the, the five running backs who have more receptions than him, Larry Sinners, Marshall Falk, LaDainian Tomlinson, Marcus Allen, Tiki Barber. And so I guess all but Marcus Allen were um, after Roger. Mm-hmm. And I could make a case, as could you, I'm sure, that those numbers from those other running backs wouldn't be as great as, as Roger's if it weren't for Roger, meaning that. Roger changed the game mm-hmm. and he changed the game in conjunction with Bill Walsh. You know, I guess Bill Walsh changed the game. He did it right. because of Roger Craig. And let me just, you know, I, I go back to when I wrote uh, the, the book with Roger Craig, I did talk to Bill Walsh a lot. And one of the things he told me was that, you know, he was such an outside the box thinker and so innovative, creative, all that. The one thing he told me was that he could not take the 49ers offense to the place where he envisioned it going until they got Roger Craig, Mm. not only until they got Roger Craig, but until they saw him in training camp on the practice field and then in the games run routes out of the backfield and catch passes. (laughs) And I mean, let's just think about the modern era, San Francisco 49ers. The one thing that Kyle Shanahan wanted above 
anything his second year with the team was to get a running back yeah. who could stress a defense, run routes out of the backfield, catch the ball in space, make people miss, make big plays, keep the chains moving on third and six by you know, catching a pass for eight yards. Of course, also wants, wanted a running back who could run the football. Mm-hmm. So what did he do? He went out and he got Jarek McKinnon, and that was his answer. Jarek McKinnon, as long as he was with the 49ers, was injured. We never saw what he could do on the field in recent seasons. We've seen what he can do on the field with the Kansas City Chiefs, and it's pretty good. But it wasn't until you know, the middle of the 2022 season where Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, they, they swung big and they connected with Christian McCaffrey. And that's, I mean, think about that, Mark. I mean, we're in the year 2022. Roger Craig was, you know, almost 40 years ago. If that's not a man before his time mm-hmm. about <laughs> Roger Craig, then tell me what is. Yeah. Yeah. And you think about the 49ers offenses when they've been at their best, they had Roger Craig. They in 94 had Ricky Waters where Mike Shanahan was using him Absolutely. out of the backfield a lot. And then now uh, Kyle with, with Christian McCaffrey. So and, and yeah, Mark, I could just re, if I could just interject yeah. one more thing, uh, this is what, what Bill Walsh told me okay. um, in, in relation to Roger Craig and, and kind of on the subject of those numbers I cited and where Roger ranks in the all time list. He said, in any other offense, Roger would have easily gained a lot more yards, but we combined rushing and and pass receiving. We looked at total yards, not just yards from our backs. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think he was fully aware of, you know, Roger was, you know, never leading rusher. Of course, he had that, that, uh, you know, thousand thousand season, but if they had fed the ball to him more, you know, if they had done certain things, maybe more in lines with a traditional running back those numbers would be greater. And, you know, maybe they're, I mean, I mean, the guy, the guy's a winner too. You know, the other yeah. thing is that, um, you know, 11 years in the league, his first 10 seasons, not just all with the 49ers, but his first 10 seasons, he was in the playoffs. Um, because you asked me why he wasn't or why he isn't in the hall of fame. And we're just kind of projecting. Um, this is a sore subject with me, but I'll bring it up anyway. <laughs> and I don't think it's I don't think it's it's keeping him out of the Hall of Fame. But, you know, because we're going to present all sides here, um, you know, the fumble he had and uh, in, in the NFC championship game that uh, prevented the 49ers from an opportunity to, to go on for a three peat. Um, you know, there was a lot that happened on that play. Miss block, you know, the, the circumstance, bad luck. Um, and it all would have been, you know, we wouldn't even remember that if, you know, the New York Giants hadn't moved the ball swiftly down the mm-hmm. field and Matt Barr, you know, hits a whatever it was, 47 yard field goal as time expires. But I if if if, you know, voters, I, I just don't think that it's gotten to that level with voters. But, you know, unfortunately, sometimes when I do talk to 49ers fans, that's one of the things they they mention, the fumble. And 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 again, I just want to say this that it's a it's a sore point with me because you'd never want that to overshadow anything. I mean, it was the last time, you know, his last game with the 49ers. And, you know, 
if you mention that, you got also mention his his first Super Bowl with the 49ers when he scored three touchdowns. Yep. And, and uh, you know, against the Miami Dolphins. So anyway, I, I just felt like because you asked me that question, we have to get that out there. But I have a hard time believing, I'm not going to speak for other people, but I have a hard time believing that that is mm-hmm. the Yeah, there are some, you know, when we released the story a year ago, I had I had I had a, a number of fans say, well, there was the fumble. And I remember responding one to one and say and asking, um, does a pl- can a player make the Hall of Fame off of one play? If not, can he be kept out of the Hall of Fame on one play? It's to me, it's it's a silly, terrible argument. Um, he he also fumbled in Super Bowl twenty three, but uh, nobody thinks about that because the Forty ers won the game. So and Mark, I don't even remember that. To yeah, be honest with you. Yeah, it it was a big hit. I don't remember. I don't remember who hit him. Maybe may, may have been that David Fulcher guy because mm-hmm. that guy was a beast in that game, that safety for Cincinnati. But um, yeah, that's uh, that is an unfortunate thing. Is there is there anything that you uh, would add to the case for him? Because you know you mentioned where he ranks on the yards from scrimmage. If I'm not mistaken, he's ahead of some guys like Earl Campbell on that list. And he's also ahead of John Stallworth, who's in the Hall of Fame, when it comes to receptions and receiving yards. And that's a receiver that's in the Hall of Fame. If that receiver is in, then why isn't the running back who who has better stats than him? Now, Stallworth deserves to you know, deserves a four time Super Bowl champ. Uh, but I, I guess that's where I run into problems with some of the those that just look at statistics is that it doesn't tell the full story. Well, and and you're right. It doesn't tell the full story. And I think that that is, you know, I guess the statistics are the easy thing to look at and to compare um, because it's black and white. Mm -hmm. There's no arguing, there's no interpretation. And I think, the problem with Roger is so much of what he brought to the table, not only for the 49ers, but just for how maybe the running back position was perceived and continues to be perceived nearly 40 years later, mm-hmm. but also what teams started looking for in their running backs. You know, now, I mean, I don't even know if there was a third down back really before Roger Craig. Roger Craig wasn't just a third down back. He was a first down back. He was a second down back. He was a third down back. So I think that what what he did was he, he changed the game from that standpoint. And I Mm -hmm. think, you know, there, I think we just had a a person go into the hall of fame uh, this year, or we'll be going in, in, in August, Rondé Barber, who kind of changed the game too, from the sense that he kind of put Nickelback on the map. Hmm. And, you know, before that, it wasn't really seen. It, it, just, it just was seen differently because then you would like, oh, well, at Nickelback, you can do all these different things. And I guess that became more you know, relevant too when, when teams started spreading it out a little bit and started going to more three wide receiver sets. But I mean, I just think that everything you have to know about what Roger Craig did to revolu- revolutionize the game of football, especially at the NFL level. All you have to do is look at that a thousand thousand season. And then, you know, how many years went by 
before Marshall Falk got there. You know, right. and Marshall Falk had, you know, he, he had some some big time numbers and he easily went into the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And then how many years after that did it take another guy to come along, Christian McCaffrey, and do the same thing that, that Roger Craig did in an era where, you know, th- there weren't the rules that favored or yeah. promoted offense. Great point. So, yeah. So I, I just think that uh, it, it takes it. it it, you know, it's it's a lazy argument, you know, that, oh, he only ranks here in these NFL history statistics. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, Charles Haley, um, not Charles Haley, uh, Fred Dean, before Charles Haley, mm-hmm. Fred Dean got into the Hall of Fame in large part because of how he changed the game. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a situational pass rusher, mm-hmm. a guy who could just come in and be a closer. And and so, you know, the the Pro Football Hall of Fame is, you know, there, there's been guys throughout the years who have gotten in because they were outstanding football players, A, and B, they changed the course of the game. And those are three examples of guys that I can think of. Fred Dean, Rondé Barber, I'm sure there's more. Um, you know, I'm sure there's slot receivers that aren't coming to my mind immediately, but I would, I would very clearly put Roger Craig in that mix of those guys who were winners, who, who had an impact in the game. Heck, Roger Craig was the, uh, 1988 offensive uh, AP offensive player of the year mm-hmm. so for a, for a stretch there. He was, I mean, he was the best running back in the game. And, and so, you know, you have guys, you know, you have, it's, it's kind of an interesting dichotomy of a guy like Frank Gore, who was so consistent for so long and put up huge numbers. And then you have uh, Roger Craig, who was consistent over a period of time too, not nearly as long as, as Frank Gore. I'm not sure there was ever a time where you could make the argument Frank Gore is the best running back in the game right now. Uh, but there definitely was a two, three, four year period where you could very easily make the argument that Roger Craig was the best running back in the game, period, and certainly the most versatile and probably the most valuable. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I did a I did a follow up story to this last year where I found quotes from uh, opposing coaches and opposing players uh, talk to Mike Singletary. We got a statement from Harry Carson. But I remember two of the coaches, John Robinson and Dan Reeves, both saying at different points in the 80s, Roger Craig is the best back we have in the game right now. Mm. So and, and that was a time where Eric Dickerson was still playing. So I, I think that the, those are big statements. Yeah. And also, Mark, I mean, think about this. I mean, we were talking about how he innovated the game of football from an offensive standpoint. And by you just saying that it also kind of, you know, the, the light bulb goes above my head right now that he also changed defensive football mm-hmm. because now, you know, you used to have these big hulking linebackers with the big rhino rolls on their neck. You <laughs> couldn't have those anymore. I mean, because of a guy like Roger Craig, <laughs> you, you're, you see these linebackers like, like Fred Warner and, um, you know, Bobby Wagner and uh, Patrick Willis, Navarro Bowman, uh, Dre Greenlaw, 
you, you have these these linebackers who have to be able to mm-hmm. run and they have to be able to cover or, you know, the next, you know, two generations down the line or whatever it might be, the next Roger Craig is going to eat those guys alive. <laughs> so he he changed the game of football on both sides of the ball. Maybe that's why Matt Mellon came to the 49ers so he didn't have to chase Roger Craig anymore. And could you blame him? That, that was a gr- that's that's a perfect example uh, of what you said because Matt Millen was the type of linebacker that that was built for those guys like John Riggins and, and some of those bigger backs. And Roger Craig probably was a nightmare for somebody like Matt Millen to have to to try and cover. Uh, Matt, thanks so much for helping us make the case for Roger Craig. Uh, you did a great job, and uh, we we love uh, what you do. Thanks so much for uh, for being part of this. All right, Mark. My pleasure. And uh, thank you for for keeping the ball rolling and keeping the conversation uh, going about Roger Craig's candidacy. My next guest is Clark Judge. You know, Clark, he covered the 49ers for the San Jose Mercury News from 1994 to 2000. So he knows the team. He knows the players. And he also is a Hall of Fame voter. And so we're going to talk to Clark for just a few minutes on uh, on this Roger Craig Hall of Fame case. And so, Clark, let's start here. Thanks for joining us, by the way. Sure. Why do you think that Roger Craig is not yet in the Hall of Fame? Well, it's a good question because I don't really get it. But the more I look into it, the more I guess I kind of understand because we live in a era of numbers and analytics. Numbers mean everything, right? And so I think some of the voters who maybe don't remember Roger because either they weren't covering football or they're too young um, or both, um, look at him and they go, okay, where does he rank in all-time rushing? Oh, he's 46th, okay. Where does he rank in all-time scrimmage yards? He's 47th there. Oh, well, that's not Hall of Fame worthy. Yeah, I know he's an all-decade player. I know he won three Super Bowls, but um, I, I, nothing really nothing really gets me there. Some guys may say, oh, I remember him. He fumbled in that conference championship game, mm. right? Well, that didn't <laughs> lose the game. I mean, some people right. say it did. but um, and, and I'm pretty sure that was his last game of the 49ers. Um, it was. But um, in any case, he had a storied career. Uh, I certainly remember him well, because before I covered the 49ers, I was covering the San Diego Chargers for 10 years down in San Diego. And every so often we would see the 49ers, but I always cover them in the playoffs. And the thing that struck me was he was so different than any running back of that time, because not only was a productive runner, he was a great receiver coming out of the backfield. Now we've had those before. I'm going to probably mention guys that you would maybe remember, but maybe not seen Lenny Moore. I certainly saw him, Mm -hmm. um, Frank Gifford. Um, they were great running backs who were great receivers, but they moved to, I think Lenny was a slot receiver, uh, later in his career. Uh, Frank was a wide receiver. So Roger Craig was not that he was a running back who came out of the backfield on the move and caught the ball on the run. And to me, I remember, Steve Young once said to me when I covered an early game about a, a third and short against the Rams, and there was there were fewer than two minutes left. The Rams were out of timeouts, and Steve threw a short pass. And I asked him afterwards, 
why would you take that chance? And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, two things, can, three things can happen, two of which aren't very good, incompletions and interception. He goes, you're new around here, aren't you? I said, yeah. He goes, that's safer for us than a run. That's a long run for us. They got the first down. They completed pass prior to Brent Jones. And um, he said, that's safer for us. And and I realized I should have known that from watching how they behaved in the 80s there with Roger Craig. You get the short pass to him coming out of the backfields, like a four or five-yard run, except with him is more like an eight, nine-yard run. Um, he, he just – he was so far ahead of his time. I mean, he's one of the um, first guys who was who could do everything. He could run. He could catch. He could block. But the running and the catching to me was what made it so critical. Ricky Waters was Roger Craig. Right. Christian McCaffrey is Roger Craig. Backs we see, Marshall Falk was Roger Craig. But Roger Craig was the first guy to do it. Yeah. He had um, 92 catches in one year. I mean, that was, <laughs> was astounding for a running back. Yeah. Um, and, and so he did things that others couldn't. Um, he was the only, I think he's the only guy to be pro bowler as running back and a fullback. Mm-hmm. First guy to have a thousand yards in, in uh, rushing in one season, as well as receiving in one season. Um, you know, the, the three Super Bowls, um, three touchdowns in a Super Bowl. That was a record. First running back to have a hundred yards receiving. I mean, you go down the list, you go, what's he missing? All decade. He's all decade. Well, how many all decade running backs from the seventies, eighties or nineties aren't in Canton? How many? Yeah. One. Right. Roger Craig. And, and so you go, what's missing from this resume? And the answer is nothing, really nothing. But to get that across, he's got to get in the room. Maybe he's got to get in the room as a finalist. He's been in one time, 2010. I wasn't there for then, but he didn't make it. And I don't think he made the first cut from 15 to 10. And he hasn't come back. Why the Centennial Committee didn't vote him in? I have no idea. I wasn't on. That's a different committee. Why the seniors haven't voted him in? I have no idea. He's long since overdue. But I'm telling you, I think when it comes down to why he didn't make it as a modern era candidate, that's probably what they were looking at when I'm talking about rushing statistics and uh, total yards from scrimmage, because it's a numbers driven society. And our point is the older guys like someone like me, Rick Gosling, Ron Borges, um, is that what did you see? Forget the numbers, because if that's all you're going to tell me about, get in a, a, an accounting firm in here. We'll just go down the list, go <laughs> one through ten. What did you see? You got to bring more into the room than that. And what I saw was a complete player. And I will tell you this, Mark, lastly, it's a long answer. I'll tell you this. <laughs> we are now considering Tory Holt for the right. Pro Football of Fame. He was a semifinalist. He was, I'm sorry, finalist this year. Been a semifinalist four straight years. He's being considered along with two other wide receivers. Reggie Wayne is one. Andre Johnson is another. All three were top 10 finishers this year, which means they're in the on-deck circle for next year because the top five are gone. They've been elected. Who are the next five? Those three are among the next five. So you look at next year, Julius Peppers is up. He's probably getting in. That's not exactly a a rash prediction. Um, Antonio Gates probably would be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Then what? Well, then you got three vacancies. It, it doesn't take a rocket time to just figure out one of those receivers getting in, maybe two, because um, two of them have been on uh, up there as finals for four straight years. So we're, we're probably going to move that line forward. But y- you look at that and say, well, wait a second. Tory Holt's one of them. If we put him in, he's the fifth, fifth guy from the St. Louis Rams 
to be inducted to the Pro Football Hall of Fame from their offense, from their right. offense. Yep. Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk, Isaac Bruce, Orlando Pace, and now Torrey Holt. Okay. He's the fifth guy from that offense. My question would be this. If the Rams were, in fact, that good, if they were the greatest offense, the greatest team on turf, the greatest show on turf, why they win one Super Bowl? Right. We're putting five of their – we put almost half that offense in, the greatest show on turf. Why they win one Super Bowl? I know this about the 49ers of the 1980s. They won four. You know how many starters from those teams are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Two. One of whom wasn't there for two of the Super Bowls. That would be Jerry Rice. So you're going to tell me Joe Montana is the only worthy guy from that team to, to make it to the Pro Football Hall of Fame? He carried that team? And, and Jerry Rice was there for two Super Bowls, but Joe Montana was the only reason? And the answer is no. There has to be somebody else. Well, the yeah, offensive line, I could pick a couple guys there. But Roger Craig's the most logical guy. So what are we missing here? And unfortunately, what's happened now is because so much time is, has transpired, people kind of forgotten about him. And that's where the senior committee must come in and, and make sure he's not forgotten. Um, it's a long, long answer, but I feel very passionately about Roger Craig have for a long time. I, I don't understand it, but I'm giving you what I think are the reasons. Yeah, and and I can sense your your passion and I appreciate that. Here's the the, the question that I have. You you mentioned the centennial class. They they elected 15, is that right? Yeah, 15 total, but 10 seniors. Okay. And Roger Craig was in the top 20 of That's that correct. class. That's correct. So so five didn't make it, and he was one of the five. No, and ten didn't make it. Ten of the twenty didn't make it. So okay, so the there class. were twenty. Twenty. So total there were th there, there were three contributors, two coaches, and and ten seniors. That's a total okay. of fifteen. Okay. So, uh, all right. And so, so my point is that that for the centennial selection, he was among the top twenty. That's correct. And yet time has passed and he still uh, has continued to be passed over. You, you were friends with Bill Walsh. Yes. If Bill was still alive, would Roger Craig be in the Hall of Fame already? That's a good question. Um, I can't say yes or no. I would say more likely than not for this very reason. We just elected Don Coriel as the coach contributor candidate. I covered Don in San Diego. I've been a uh, outspoken supporter of his, along with Dan Fouts and Jim Trotter, um, both of whom are from San Diego. Obviously, Dan lives in Oregon now, but star quarterback and Hall of Famer, and Jim covered the team. I covered the team down in San Diego. Um, but when we were talking about Don's candidacy, when he was a one of the, I think we had 12 finalists this year. So we're talking about his candidacy, and he's been a finalist he had been a finalist six times before including modern era finalists. in fact he was a top 10 modern era finalist in 2016 never quite crossed the finish line but the fact that he kept coming back meant that voters cared a lot about him um, brought back more than any other coach now he's in the coach contributor category and dan Fouts spoke up in support of him which is nothing new he's done that before but then he broke out a letter from bill walsh Hmm. that he had written to Don Coriel after Don left. And Bill had written this very passionate letter about how he had always looked up to Coriel, 
how he admired him, everything he'd done on offense, things that he did that Bill took to heart, maybe expanded a little bit, but how he changed the game. So he read that letter and Don was elected, much to my surprise and Dan's surprise. In fact, when Dan um, heard the news, I was, we were doing a Zoom call and I looked at Dan because we both, were, whoa, and, and all the voters went, whoa. I looked at me, bowed his head and I said, were you crying or were you, was that, was that out of relief? And he said, it was a little bit of both. I couldn't believe it. I, I couldn't either. But I said, you know what swung it? It was the Bill Walsh letter swung that. And other voters acknowledged that when they heard that Bill Walsh was kind of speaking from the grave, that's the way it seemed, um, that it resonated with voters. That letter had been addressed to Don, but Bill sent a carbon copy to Dan and Dan just happened to find it when he was cleaning out a desk in <laughs> December, I think, or January. He's cleaning out a desk, he found this and he thought, I might as well use this. I believe very strongly that that tipped the scale. So in answer to your question, is it possible? It's possible. Is it likely? I don't know if it's likely, but it certainly wouldn't hurt his candidacy <laughs> and it almost certainly would have helped it. Could have pushed him over, maybe. Um, I don't think he needs that kind of support to be pushed over. I think his record speaks for itself. But having Bill Walsh speak on your behalf certainly helped Don Coriel. would help Roger Craig. Let me ask you this. In recent years, there have been uh, a couple of players who were enshrined, I'm not going to name names, but a couple who were enshrined after they um, went on tangents uh, about why they should be in the Hall of Fame or that they mm -hmm. didn't care about the Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. That's the last thing that Roger Craig would ever do. Right. Can you tell me a little bit about him as a character? Because you've, you, you have, a, have had a chance to get to know him as a person what kind of person is he off the field? I, I think he's um, somewhat reserved, extraordinarily polite. Now, when you get him to talk, I mean, he talks a lot. I mean, he, <laughs> he, uh, sometimes sometimes you say, hey, Roger, OK, I got it. I got it. Um, <laughs> but um, he's always um, cooperative. He, he, he When I was covering him and, and again, from a distance, because I wasn't covering the team when he was on it. Um, but um he would always answer the question. He, he, you would, he would get to what you were looking for. He knew what you're looking for. It might have taken a while to get there, but he knew what you're looking for. Um, I, 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 I never had a bad experience around him. That said, that has nothing to do, nothing to do with the Hall of Fame candidacy. Right. I mean, if, if it was the Hall of Great Guys, half these guys would be out of there probably. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's an exaggeration. I, I'm not trying to annoy any people. But as, a, as in contrast, I mean, I'm just saying there's a guy like Bryant Young who we pushed hard in the past year, couple of years. And Bryant Young is one of the most cooperative guys, but one of the most quiet and reserved guys I know. And I did cover him. His first year was my first year covering the team. I got to know him well. Um, so Matt Miyoko, I know you know. I mean, we, we covered him. I knew him well. And, and I remember after he was a finalist in 2020, 2020 um, and then 2021, disappears he's no longer a finalist i called him and did say don't give up i mean you know i know it happened to roger craig he was a finalist just once then he vanished don't give up i mean you've got to get back on the screen i'm not saying i'm going to make it happen or matt's going to make it happen or whatever um but you've just got to get back on the screen with the help of kirk reynolds put together a really helpful um video he got back on there as a finalist and i went okay now you're back in the game so let's see how far this goes he goes straight to the top and he never, 
he never uh, stood out there and screamed and bellyached and moaned or any complained. He didn't say anything. And when you covered him, he was a quiet guy and he was one of the most respected, most courteous, um, one of the, the best players I've ever covered in any sport whatsoever. Um, just a class, class individual. And, and he and I, and I think Matt and some others probably thought that might hurt him a little bit because he wasn't outspoken like a Warren Sapp. He wasn't that kind of guy. Was he as good as Warren Sapp? Well, listen, these guys were on the video. They said, yeah, he's better. But why did Warren Sapp get the attention he didn't? We didn't know that. And, and we thought maybe that hurt you a little bit. In the end, it didn't because these guys spoke up for him and just said, this is a great player. This is a yeah. great player. This, this guy was better than Randall, better than the Sapp. That was their opinion. Not giving you mine, but that was their opinion. And when you have the opponent saying that, it 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 really carries a lot of weight. It did for mm-hmm. him. With um with, with Roger, when you're around him, always a class guy. Just a, a class guy. He doesn't have to, as I said, he doesn't have to um, bellyache or complain or or, or get angry. Uh, I can I can understand his disappointment. I'd be disappointed too. But that record speaks for itself. And at some point, at some point, it, it's going to resonate with voters. Honestly, it just I I believe very strongly. That'll happen. I don't want to have happen with him what happened to others like a Ken Stabler or Ken Riley, that they're gone before that happens. That, that, that just isn't right. I think we need to get someone like a Roger Craig in who's deserving. They have to be deserving. I think he is. That's my opinion. I'm not speaking for the board, my opinion, yeah. but get him in while they can enjoy it. Right. Well, thank you so much, Clark. I appreciate you helping us make the Hall of Fame case for Roger Craig. Okay, I'm honored to welcome Daniel Brown of The Athletic here to talk about Roger Craig and his Hall of Fame credentials. You probably have read stuff that Dan has written. If not, he's he's actually helped uh, worked with Roger Craig on a couple of different books. So he handled the re-release of Roger's Tales from the San Francisco 49ers sideline that Roger originally did with Matt Mayoko. And Roger Craig actually wrote the foreword for Dan's book, A Hundred Things 49ers Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. Dan, welcome. That sounds like one that I have to pick up. I, I thought that I had it, but I looked and there was I was getting some mixed up. I had uh, a, a Matt Barrows book that, uh, <laughs> All right. that I have. Thank and then you. I have A Hundred Things Every Houston Astros fan needs to know or do before they die because I was I lived in Houston as a kid yeah. so I'm an Astros fan and so I thought that I had the book but I don't so I'm going to be getting it because that sounds like a really good one thanks so much for joining us how's things going good the the one thing one of the fun things about the the, the hundred things book is it's not just stuff to know it's stuff to do and one of the things to do was run the hill like Roger Craig. <laughs> So there's instructions there on how to go run the hill and the peninsula that Roger and Jerry Rice helped make famous. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, that's, I'm glad that you started there because we had Larry Kruger on and Larry is the one that a year ago, when we put out this story, it was built around Larry Kruger's case for Roger Craig to be Mm -hmm. in the hall of fame. And he listed a couple of three things that he, three reasons why he thinks Roger Craig's not in the Hall of Fame. One is no Bill Walsh to uh, to endorse him. Uh, the fumble in the 1990 mm-hmm. NFC Championship game, and then Jerry Rice that he had to play with the greatest statistical force in NFL history, and he even talked about how that that hill 
Jerry Rice gets credit for it, but that was Roger Craig's thing before Jerry even came along. Yeah, and that bugs the crap out of Roger, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they did. They ran, ran it together plenty of times. But Roger's the one who discovered it, who brought Jerry out there, introduced him. And Roger, you know, oddly enough, he, he didn't discover it. Like, he wasn't Lewis and Clark out there in the wilderness. <laughs> right. Somebody had, it was Arthur Ting, who was a huh. medical professional who worked uh, most, uh, most known for his work with the San Jose Sharks. But he said, hey, Roger, if you want to, if you want to, you know, if you want a good hill to run, it's Edgewood Park in, you know, technically it's Redwood City. It's San Carlos right right there on the on the border on Edgewood Road. Um, it was it was Walter Payton who had told Roger, hey, if you want to prolong your career, if you if you're looking to the future, just go find the steepest hill you can and, and run it. I do remember that. And I remember when Peyton did that. I'm old like that. So I remember <laughs> back in the 80s when when uh, Walter Peyton was doing that. Well, let's talk Roger Craig. I mean, I could talk 49ers with you all day, but uh, but we're here to talk about Roger Craig. And so tell me, what? why do you think that he's not in the Hall of Fame? Because he missed his opportunity to be in as a modern era candidate. And so now he's in the senior candidacy uh, section, so to speak. So what? Why has why has it not happened yet? Yeah, I do think some of those things that you mentioned, mostly, you know, he was overshadowed by Montana and Rice um, and by Walsh, uh, for, for that matter. And I think that so much, you know, Walsh was brilliant and he was a genius and he ran that offense and created that offense so well. But it's like everybody who gets success in it is kind of dismissed. Oh, it's a system. It's a system. Mm-hmm. Well, the system worked because Roger Craig, you know, did something that was unprecedented in football history. The way he was a threat out of the backfield, he was, you know, the first thousand thousand guy. Uh, those happened because of Walsh's brilliance, but also because of uh, uh, Roger's incredible skill, um, his discipline. You know, when he came out of Nebraska, he hadn't caught a ton of passes. He didn't, that wasn't in his skill set, but he'd read in Sports Illustrated that the Niners were interested in drafting him. So he said, ah, I better start working on my pass catching. So we'd go <laughs> out and catch passes every day, every day. And when he, when he got to training camp, his first training camp as a rookie, they tested him and threw him 100 passes. I think it was, it was uh, Paul Hackett, uh, and I can't remember who else, like threw him 100 passes and caught 98. Um, wow. And one of them was like overthrown or something, but <laughs> well, that's a long way of saying like he, he brought the skills to the table that made that West coast offense thrive. And um, I think Walsh gets credit and um, Rogers sometimes views it as merely the recipient of, of, you know, those diagrams and those X's and O's on the, on the, on the, on the grease board. Um, and I don't think he gets enough credit for, oh, and, you know, one other thing that didn't really super help him, um, but it was, uh, it was um, part of the reason those teams were so great is he was unselfish. He yeah. didn't need to carry the ball. If they had a big mm-hmm. lead, you know, he would block. He would, if they wanted him to switch to fullback, he'd switch to fullback. You know, obviously that's the thing to do to um, be self-sacrificing with the team, do whatever uh, you want for the team. But, you know, somebody who had been maybe more boisterous or more, Selfish would have found a way to, hey man, let me get my hundred, um, you know, give me more carries, whatever. But he wasn't that way. Whatever you need for Bill Walsh, they were, and they were all that way. All those Niners, and I think they, as a as a team, as a dynasty, they're probably underrepresented in the Hall of Fame across the board. What do you think needs to happen? Like, like from this point on, 
what do you think are the the odds? I mean, the the seniors division they they do now select three candidates instead of just one, like like uh, in the years past. But so that should increase Roger Craig's uh, odds. But how long do you think that this might take? It's taken so long. I mean, I think, you know, before Bill Walsh died, he told Roger very reassuringly, hey, don't worry, Roger, you're going to get in. You know, Mm. be patient. It's going to take time, but you're going to get in. And I think it's fair to wonder at this point, like, (laughs) for as brilliant as Walsh was, like, was he wrong about this one? It's getting, I'm getting nervous. Because for a while I bought it too, that he, yeah, it'll be fine. Um, What needs to happen now? You know, the, the, the trick is, as time goes by and as the game has changed, the Rogers' overall numbers get diminished. Um, it's more commonplace now for, for, for running backs to do what he did in terms of dual, dual threats. And that's, you know, that's the way it should be looked at. It, that happened in part because of Rogers' success. And everybody wanted to do the Bill Walsh uh, West Coast offense thing. But I was looking at, at these things. If you look at, like, the sheer rushing yards uh, – Rogers now 46th on the all-time list um, in terms of rushing yards per game, you know, cause he, he got so many passes. He was, he's at 49.6 yards per game. You know, the, hmm. it takes, you look at those numbers, eh, not a hall of famer. That's a, that's not going to be a conversation starter, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I also went and look Joe Montana. If you look at his career passing yards, you know, but he was the greatest of all time. You know, Brady may have, you know, there's that that or argument, but he was kind of unquestioned the number one guy or certainly a top five guy. Now, uh, career passing yards, 22nd, just below um, Russell Wilson. He's hmm. two spots ahead of Andy Dalton now. Wow. Um, Joe Montana passing touchdowns. He's 19th. He's just behind Vinny Testaverde. Hmm. Um, uh, <laughs> completion percentage. We think of Montana as this pinpoint, accurate, you know, incredible passer. He's behind Mitch Trubisky um, in terms of completion percentage. <laughs> Montana's 29th and Trubisky is, you know, a percentage point ahead of him. But uh, that's not to diminish Joe's greatness for sure. It just shows that, that just how different the numbers of that era were. Right. And if you're going to look at Montana and go, yeah, it sounds like a borderline Hall of Famer. Like, no, you have to understand the context, um, what was happening then, all the other factors, all the other contextual things. And, in Rogers' case, you really need to look at him not um, not just as a prolific player because he was a prolific player, but as a pioneer, as somebody who mm-hmm. changed the way the game was played. And Roger takes an incredible amount of pride in seeing guys like Brian Westbrook and uh, he would know lame him all the time, like Matt Forte, uh, Adrian Foster, Christian McCaffrey. All those guys are kind of like um, the Roger running back tree. They did. They did what he did, which is, you know, beat you any way you can. And um, I have ha- always thought for a long time that, you know, because we a lot of teammates have come out in support of Roger saying he deserves it. Here's what he meant to us. Here's what he changed. Here's what he could do that nobody else could. I really think um, someday <laughs> I'm going to make a run at all those running backs, you know, Marshall Falk, the other thousand thousand guy, and just say what, what, what's how do you look at Rogers legacy? You know, mm-hmm. when you look around the league now and, you know, Curtis Martin, all these guys who, who became dual threat backs, what do they owe to Roger Craig? What do they owe to success, his success? And he, you know, other people had caught some passes, but Roger, he had, what's the number? I, I was just looking it up. 
92 catches in 1985. <laughs> you know, it's just revolutionary then. 92 catches. Um, and he needs to be looked at as somebody who was a pioneer, um, game-changing presence. Yeah, you know, if you look at him as just a running back, you know, you think of guys like Marcus Allen, Earl mm-hmm. Campbell, mm-hmm. Uh, who were from that era, or Earl Campbell a little bit before that. But if you're looking for, uh, from just a running back statistics, then he's probably not going to measure up. But when you add in the passing threat, you know, I I think I, I often thought of Roger in 94 when the 49ers won their last Super Bowl and Mike Shanahan was using Ricky Waters mm-hmm. in a similar wave that Bill Walsh used Roger Craig. Used him a lot. He would split him out. There, there was in the in that Super Bowl when the 49ers beat the Chargers, there was that that play, I think the second touchdown of the game when Steve Young hit Ricky Waters deep. Uh, that's mm-hmm. not something that running backs do, run deep routes like that. And I think that... If I remember right, Steve Young has said that the worst thing, the worst decision the 49ers made after that season was not bringing back Ricky Waters. He he didn't mention mm-hmm. not bringing back Deion Sanders. He mentioned Ricky Waters. And so I think that you look at those kinds of things. And, and like you said, that goes back to Roger Craig and how how Bill Walsh used him. Yeah, I can't remember exactly the exact circumstances, but Roger, one of his favorite stories is that after they won the Super Bowl one year, um, Walsh came up to him and said, hey, I'm going to need even more out of next year. You know, I'm going to need a thousand out of you next year. And Roger realized, hey, man, he didn't say what category, so I better prepare for both. (laughs) (laughs) It must have been That's yeah, it must have been after '84. You must have said like, "Yeah, I need yeah. to, I need you to, 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 I need a thousand out of you." Okay, well, didn't say which one, so I'll be ready for both. And <laughs> uh, I also, he also, uh, when he, he, uh, uh, you know, he led the league in receptions, right? '92 uh, catches. He got to the Pro Bowl, and Art Monk said, "Hey, man, stay out of my category." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. you know, t- it was too too bad that that Roger didn't prepare to. To throw for a thousand yards <laughs> in '85, because that then he would have been a shoe in. I don't know that Marshall Falk and Christian McCaffrey could have done that. Although McCaffrey did throw a touchdown pass it's this uh, this past season, so you never know. But what uh, what would you like those that are watching or listening right now? What what would you like those individuals to really understand about Roger Craig? Not just the player, but the person. Oh boy, um, the person—it just—it's it's just a separate note for me. He is the—he is the—he is the nicest guy I've met in pro sports. I didn't know him. I'm not old enough. To, I'm old enough to have watched him play, but I was not old enough to cover him. And I was assigned to do a story on when I was working for the San Jose Mercury News. Uh, his son Roderick had just decided to play basketball. He tra- was transferring to Texas Tech. He was going to go play for Bobby Knight at Texas Tech. Hmm. And my bosses thought, oh, it's cool. Roger Craig's kid is going to go play for Bobby Knight. So with great trip, I found his number. And with great trepidation, I called him this little, this, this icon of my youth. And I didn't know if he's going to, uh, and he was just so welcoming. And the thing that he did that uh, he still does. And I just, if he, if he, if he has, if he has a line um, that I laugh at, 
he'll say it again just to make sure I get it in my notes. <laughs> he realized that he goes, oh man, he's going to use that. I'll say it again to make sure he has it. And he'll do it if I laugh. And he used to say stuff like, you know, Jim Harbaugh's got the secret sauce. And I'd laugh. He goes, yeah, Jim Harbaugh's got the secret sauce. Nice and slow. It's like, again. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but I've become, you know, we became, became friends. Um, and just, I've never seen anybody more in out, outgoing with the public and engaging uh, his business partner who would travel with him uh, through airports said people in the airport would go, Hey, Roger Craig. And Roger, instead of waving and keep walking, would whirl around and <laughs> go up to the person and go, Hey, how, how long have you been a Niners fan? It's great to meet. I was like, Roger, we got a flight to catch. You can't <laughs> out with everybody at SFO. Let's keep it moving. Yeah. Um, I well, had lunch with him once at the place and then, and then the, Busboy kind of nervously came up and said, I'm a big fan. Viewers, can, can you sign this? I think it was a menu or a napkin or something. And Roger's like, yeah, sure. Um, but then I forgot about it. And then I slowly noticed later, like Roger's like writing just like a note to him saying, hey, this is my favorite place. Thank you so much for the great service. It's incredible always coming here. All the best, Roger. He didn't just sign the napkin and hand it back to him. So he's that kind of guy. And yeah, the Hall of Fame for people, he'd be a first ballot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have never met him, but after the story was released a year ago, um, did get to text back and forth with him and, and he wasn't just a, a guy that, uh, that said, Hey, thanks for writing the story. Mm -hmm. Um, he, he was very personable, uh, in, in that time. And, and I, I, I could just tell that he, that he's a sweet guy. And, and so it made me, I want this even more for him because I've wanted this as a fan of the team mm -hmm. and a fan of him, but uh, I want it more now as a fan of him as a person uh, because I think that it's well-deserved. Anything else that, that you want to add? Yeah, just for sure. What, what are the things that, that, you know, it's again, this is another thing that Jerry Rice gets credit for deservedly, but you know, if you want a one A and one B, setting the tone on the practice field for that dynasty uh people probably will tell you it was roger craig um you know the, the way he ran every ball to the house mm -hmm. you know he, he 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 made them work he organized a lot of the off-season workouts he dragged people up the hill but what is the hill but sometimes they would meet at the track and do track workouts <laughs> you know on the field they just treated practice like it was the hardest thing they're going to do all week and that, that's why sunday looks so easy yeah and jerry you know his work ethic is just as relentless and just as crazy and just as maniacal and that's why he played for so long and did all the things that he did but roger was right there with him and i think that you know i don't know people how often people talk about leadership um in the hall of fame discussion but you're talking about one of the great teams of all time and roger was one of the leaders of it beyond everything he did on the field should count for something Dan, thanks so much for being part of this. I really appreciate your insight. It was fun to talk to you. Yeah, thanks so much, Mark. Uh, keep up the fight. Our next guest is Rick Goslin, formerly of the, the Dallas Morning News. You have likely read his stuff. He's been covering the NFL for 50 years. Amazing uh, career. Rick, thanks so much for joining us. One of the things that I'm intrigued about is not only are you a Hall of Fame voter, but you're a seniors Hall of Fame voter, as, which is where Roger Craig is at because he's no right. longer eligible uh, as a modern day uh, enshrinee, so to speak. So 
let's get right into why you believe Roger Craig is not in the Hall of Fame yet. I'm as puzzled as you are. I look at, uh, just look at the, 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 the great offenses of the past. The 70s Raiders went to one Super Bowl, and they have eight offensive players wow. from that decade in the Hall of Fame. The 70s Steelers won four Super Bowls. They have four Hall of Fame offensive players from that decade. The 90s Cowboys, three Super Bowls. They have four Hall of Famers from that decade. Even the greatest show on turf, which went to one Super Bowl or won one Super Bowl, they got three in, Warner, Falk, and Bruce, and could have a fourth in in Torrey Holt. And then you look at the 49ers with maybe the arguably the best offensive mind in the history of the game, Bill Walsh, two, Montana and Rice. And, and Rice wasn't even there for the first two. Right. There, there had to be somebody else besides Montana. One man does not make a team. There had to be mm-hmm. some playmakers. And, and Roger Craig is the guy that, that jumps out. He was the all-decade guy. Why mm-hmm. he's passed over, I can't explain. I can't explain a lot of things with this committee. I've been on the senior committee for almost 20 years now, and I've got a list of 100 players that I think they either had careers or or achievements that deserve consideration or deserve discussion in the Hall of Fame. Of those 100, 86 have never been discussed. There are 56 all-decade players in the senior pool, and I think only two of them have been discussed. There's such a log jam back there. You know, your, your window to get in is at 20 years of eligibility. And once you fall into that senior pool, it's, it's disaster. It, you, everybody in that pool is a long shot because we're bringing out, we were bringing out one, one at a time. Now for the next couple of years, we're bringing out three. But they're so competitive for those spots. When, when we talk about the Hall of Fame discussions within the senior division, what does it look like in those meetings? Does, does someone like in your case who, let, let's say, for instance, that you really believe that, that Roger Craig should be in the Hall of Fame, or let's say right. that there was a Steelers reporter who really believed that John Stallworth needed to be in the Hall of Fame before he was inducted uh, because he it took him a while. What does that look like? Does that particular reporter or does just anyone bring this, the, the name to the table uh, to, to discuss it? Or how does that work? We do it the same way as the full committee. We get a slate of about oh, 80 names, seniors, and we vote that slate down to 15. And if you don't make the 15, we don't discuss you. So we'll take the 15 into the room in August and we'll come up with our, our three candidates from that group of 15. Okay. But the key is you got to get to the 15. It's not like uh, we walk in with, with no slate and we just start talking about players. We only talk about the 15 that the group votes as the, the, the 15 best senior candidates. I was reading because I, I talked to Clark Judge and he he said that one of the reasons that he thinks that Roger Craig is not yet in is because voters these days only look at the stats and that there are a lot of voters who may not have watched Roger Craig. And so I, I got thinking about some of the stats and, and noticed that Roger Craig has more 
regular season receptions than John Stallworth and Lynn Swan. He has more receiving yards than Lance Allworth, Kellen Winslow, and John Stallworth. So Stallworth mentioned twice there a receiver who's in the Hall of Fame and Roger Craig, a running back uh, who played fullback for part of his career, has more uh, Roger Craig has more receptions and more receiving yards than John Stallworth, a Hall of Fame receiver. Roger Craig also has more rushing yards than Larry Zonka and Gail Sayers, more total yards than Larry Zonka, Earl Campbell, Jim Taylor, Art Monk, and Michael Irvin, who uh, I'm sure you know well from co- covering the Cowboys. So when, when you hear some of those statistics, is is it that it's just not as as glowing or... I, I guess I just see that there are numbers when Roger Craig retired, he was top 20 in, in receiving and, and uh, rushing yards, if I remember right. And so I, to me, he has the numbers, but is it that time, so much time has passed and so many have now uh, passed him? Because I read an article that you wrote in 2018, uh, March of 2018, where you were endorsing Roger Craig and you made the point that Frank Gore, uh, who's beloved by many 49ers fans, is is going to be in the Hall of Fame. At that time, I don't remember what number you said he was on, on the rushing list, but now he's right up there. And so, yeah, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. But you asked the question, who would you rather have, Frank Gore or Roger Craig? I think that younger 49ers fans would say Frank Gore. But I think many who are not younger and who watched Roger Craig would say there's really no comparison. And I'm one in that boat. So what do you think it is? Is it just time that's too much time has passed? Yeah, um, it's tough. Once upon a time, the magic number, most running backs thought the magic number for the hall was 10,000 yards. And, And Roger didn't get there. I think if Roger had played his entire career as a halfback and, and got the carries early in his career that he got later in his career, I think there's a good chance he might already be in the Hall of Fame. You know, I think, but that's what's impressive about his career. He was a Pro Bowl fullback who led the NFL in receiving one year and then moved to halfback and became the NFL's Offensive Player of the Year. And in 88, he had over 2,000 yards, including a curve as 1,500 yards. So you're you're splitting your career between two different types of positions, the fullback position and, and the halfback position. I, when I lived in Kansas City, I covered a lot of big eight football, and I saw Roger Craig play in, in, uh, at Nebraska. And he, he was not a pass catcher then. He was a running back. And like I said, if he had come in and been the running back for, for that decade, I think there's a good chance he's already in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Right now, you look at his career, he never won a rushing title. Uh, he was a first-team All-Pro once. He only had 3,000-yard seasons. So if, if you're going to just look at the, at the season by season, you know, he may not stack up. And, and I think that's one of the issues. You know, Clark is right. I think the, with, the, with the demise of newspapers, the, the, the voting members of the committee have gotten younger. A lot of other voters now have started covering football in the 1990s in the 2000 decade. And when I talk... 60s Packers, 70s Steelers, and 80s 49ers, I'm speaking a foreign language. Mm-hmm. Many of them, you know, didn't know or appreciate what Roger Craig was doing in the 80s for this team. But it's, the running back position is, is tough 
to figure out. Larry Brown was an MVP in 1971, led the league in rushing, never been discussed as a Hall of Fame finalist. Hmm. Um, Jamal Lewis had a 2,000-yard season, 6,000-yard seasons, 10,000 career yards, can't get in the room. Sean Alexander, league MVP, 6,000-yard seasons, can't get in the room. I don't know what it is with the running back position, maybe because the position has been de-emphasized in the last you know, 10, 12 years. Maybe people aren't looking at running back. And if you're not looking at the, the ones they've seen, they're not going to look at the ones they haven't seen, which is the Larry Browns and the Roger Craigs and, and, and the back Lawrence McCutcheons and, and, and backs like that. And that's one of the things working against them. The running back position has been de-emphasized, it seems, in this league, and it's hurting all running backs, past and present. Why do you think that Roger Craig belongs in the Hall of Fame? Because he did it two ways. He was the best fullback in the game, then he was the best halfback in the game. And, and what he did to that offense, you, you, can't, you can't really judge by the numbers. I mean, that was he's playing in an offense with Jerry Rice, with, with a team that liked to throw the football. He wasn't going to get a 2,000-yard rushing season. You know, he was a, a great team running back. There are a lot of backs that you know, win rushing titles and, and gain a lot of yards, that, but their teams don't win Super Bowls. And Roger Craig blocked, caught, ran, whatever that offense needed at that time, he did. And like I said, two players off that offense are in the Hall of Fame, off that offense, that Bill Walls offense. There should be more, mm -hmm. at least three or four, like all these other offenses I talked about. And I think Roger Craig certainly belongs, uh, given that. What does what what will it take for this to happen? Is is he just gonna is it just gonna take time, or is there a possibility that it won't happen? Like I said, anybody in the senior pool is now a long shot because we're only bringing out one, two, and even three now at a time. Uh, you look at it's the running back that there's so many good running backs. You know, Pat Harder was an MVP uh, running back for the Chicago Cars in 1948. He's, he's sitting there, never been discussed. It's tough. And right now in out of the senior pool in the, in the history of the committee, 53 years, we've had almost twice as many offensive players as defensive players. And I, last year we brought out three defensive players. And I think now more and more, we're looking at defensive players, the guys that have been overlooked because we've always been going offensive. And that's probably going to hurt Roger, too. You know, we want to kind of even it out. Right now, it's not even. Not when it's a two-to-one split. I think it's 40, 43 offensive players to 23 defensive players coming out of the senior committee. So he's – it breaks your heart. I, I look at players. Maxie Bond was a linebacker for the Eagles, went to nine Pro Bowls in the 1960s decade. He's never been discussed. Um, Eddie Metter, all-decade safety from the 60s, from the Rams, never been discussed. Just there, there are so many great players that, that, that never got the room to be a finalist for whatever reason. And they're all lumped together, this group of 100, and we get to pick out two or three. And keep in mind that, that the senior pool expands every year. Five or six new players in right. the pool. And it just, it's just the, the spots are so competitive. And, and again, you know, we've had this committee for 53 years. We've never brought out a Patriot, a Charger, or a Colt. You know, the, the senior committee isn't a clearinghouse for any one franchise, but we've got three franchises there that have been around for, since 1960. 
and before that, that have never had a candidate. And you, you, you're trying to be fair with all teams. Um, it's tough. The, the, the spots are so competitive. And the running back position is so competitive. And, and the group, I think, wants to put some more defensive players in. It's all working against Roger. And I do believe he's a Hall of Fame player. But I think there are probably 20 to 30 players that deserve gold jackets that'll never get them. And I think mm-hmm. uh, you got to get, you got to talk to the committee. You got to get people talking about Roger Craig again. And, and right now, I think he's been forgotten. You know, then we would put in Joe Klecko, who played in the, you know, after Craig essentially, and uh, players like that. And it's it's tough. It's it's tough. You're if you're in the senior pool, you're a long shot. Wow. Well, that's what we're trying to do is get people talking about Roger Craig. Rick, thanks so much for joining us and for helping us make the case for sure. uh, Roger Craig to be in the Hall of Fame. I appreciate it, Mark. Thanks for having me.